Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We're your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Marmaduke Jones. <laughs> Marmaduke. Is, isn't that Marmaduke's name in the comic? Is his last name Jones? No, I have no idea. You don't know how that big dog's name is? I don't think the dog has a last name. No, I don't. You just know his name is Marmaduke? Yes, his name is Marmaduke. That's the name. And Owen Wilson played him? That's the name. I didn't know that. <laughs> you didn't know that? I just know that because it's the name of the comic. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Marmaduke. Marmaduke. Marmaduke Jones. Marmaduke Jones. Well, now he's Marmaduke Jones. Well, all right. Well, welcome back, everyone. Um, we hope you enjoyed last week um, since, you know, this time we really mean it. Yeah. yeah. We, we got some big hits on the Facebook page. Yeah. Which is super dope because uh, usually we don't. So it it's... <laughs> we need to start picking more popular movies to do. I know. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you know, clearly, uh, you know, Silence of the Lambs. Well, that was before we did that. That was before. That's right. I know. <laughs> Could you imagine if we would have actually done that from day one? From day one. I don't know. You know, that's a great question. Um, I don't know why I lied to you just then. Uh, that was an okay question. An okay question? Yeah, it was all right. Um, was I... Yeah, I mean, we probably would have gotten some traction, you know? Like like you said, like with Sounds of the Lambs, for sure. With the Back yeah. to the Future stuff, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Right? Uh, when we did The Godfather. Uh, yeah, that would have yeah. gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of attention. But yeah. unfortunately, we didn't think about that at the time. It's not that we didn't have... The capabilities. The yeah. I know. I had the page up. We completely had. I just had to redesign it sooner, you know? That's all right. Anyway, well, uh, welcome back, everyone. Before we get into the episode, um, I just want to briefly shout something out really quickly. Um, in a sleep-deprived-fueled decision, uh, I decided to set... I can't even talk right now because I'm still sleep-deprived. Hmm. Um I decided to create a secondary podcast, um, kind of free from this one with me and Jeremy, uh, or Jeremy and I, or Jeremy's mom. All right. Because uh, I know she hates that. Um, She's not the only one, but go ahead. I, <laughs> uh, but kind of free um, from that. And it's called Once a Week with Rain Wayland. Um, it's just more of a, a storytelling podcast. Um, we're just going to sit and talk, you know? Well, let's let's be um, let's be clear. You will sit and talk. I will not right. be there. This is I have uh, nothing to do with yeah, this. Jeremy one. may not right. be heavily involved with this one. He'll probably show up on that one from time to time. But that one is just more. I mean, we both. I mean, we do this for fun too. But that one really is just for fun. This, the, your sounds more like stream of consciousness, just talking yeah. and whatever. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So if you don't. If you like listening to us talk, but maybe you're kind of getting tired of us talking about movies. Which, shame on you. Uh, yeah, exactly. I could talk about movies for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I know most people don't like that. So that's why there's the secondary one that you ah. can go over to. Uh, there's already an episode up uh, where I talk about the most stressed I've ever been in my life. That was getting to Orlando Studios, Universal Studios in Orlando. And I do that throughout the whole episode. I'm like, yeah, Orlando Studios. But it's Universal well, Studios. If that's not a great... Uh... I know. Well, I correct myself, but I do it every single time. But anyway, if you want to check that out, that would be fan, fan, fantabulous. Um, Alex will be on next week. Cool. Um, because each week, the, the, the name is each week I discuss something new. <laughs> Uh, shout right. out, shout out Theo Vaughn for that idea. Oh, Theo Vaughn. For, wow. you know, his just, podcast this past weekend. Just so. stealing ideas from Theo Vaughn. Great. I mean, isn't everything stealing? 
Yes, it yeah. is. Well, anyway, uh, that being said, out you know, go check that out. But uh, so, Jeremy, are you ready to talk about part two? Yes. Which we didn't. We did. We say at the end yeah. of part one. Yeah, this yeah. is the good, the bad, and the ugly. We yes. are going to do the um, quote third installment. It is literally the third, but not chronologically, narrative-wise. Narrative-wise, this is a prequel. Really? Oh! Here we go. Oh, my God. Boom! All right. Sorry, everyone. Nope, I'm not. So, (laughs) yes, uh, this is a prequel to the other two. Uh, So so it's even a prequel to Fistful of Dollars? Yes. Oh. Yes. Um, The main way you can tell... Is again, we went to public school, so we might not have caught it the first time. Uh, but the dates that were being shown every once in a while in the other two are um, post Civil War dates. Um, <sighs> and of course, this is during the Civil War. I didn't catch that, man. That's okay. Motherfucker. That's all right. So, damn it. The prequel to Fistful of Dawson for a few dollars more. So, this is what sets up the man with no name for. Yeah. So when, I mean, this is jumping ahead, but when Angel Eyes says, put these clothes on, um, and it's his clothes he's been wearing in the other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then that's when he gets his poncho. Yeah, that's yeah. how we got the clothes. That's how we got the poncho. See, I was wondering that because we don't see the brace at all this yep. whole movie. Right. And I'm like, well, where's the brace? It happened before. You, you introduced it. Mm-hmm. So I just figured, like, okay, maybe he's fine now. I don't know. Nope. That's younger. Wow. Yeah. And they, wow. See now, now, now I'm kind of like re, like revisiting everything in my mind mm-hmm. with new eyes because yes. they did a good job of subtly making him look younger too. Mainly just in what he's wearing. Right. He know. is wearing different clothing. Which, um, if let's say, like in your case, you had no idea this was a prequel. Right. right? Uh, you may have just thought. He just bought new clothes with yeah. all of that money he made. Yeah, all the money he's been scamming from people. Right. Um, and he's found a new scam, right? But yeah. it, that's not the case at all. This is, you know, him before hmm. the events of the other two. That's crazy. Yeah. My mind is blown. So you could you could say that, I mean, obviously it's going to go good, the bad, and the ugly, fistful of dollars for a few dollars more. So at the end of a few dollars more, that's it. That it's him riding off into the sunset with it with those uh, wagon of bodies going to go retire yep wow I know god damn Sergio Leone way way to go my yeah, way guy to go, bud. this was a this was a good one now um let's go ahead okay we already established it's a prequel which is tons of fun um again we're not going to really go through the narrative yeah, yeah I don't want to go through a step by step especially because Th- this one's really dense it is dense some would say too dense uh one of those people would be Clint Eastwood but we'll get to that. really yeah <laughs> oh shit yeah um but anyway right yes uh is this your favorite you you alluded to it last week I I really enjoyed this one a lot more than I did Fistful of Dollars and for a few dollars more um narratively wise like it is a very dense story but it didn't kind of bother me mm-hmm. um uh i'm trying to think of the right word how uh, the the cinematography of it i loved mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was much more in terms of how it was filmed a bigger film mm-hmm. yeah you know um 
It Which, is a lot bigger in scope, right? And of course, it, it doesn't hurt to have big battle scenes, right? Yeah. Big Civil War battle scenes, making it, you know, a lot bigger in scale. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I really like this one a lot more. Um, I, 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 I think I said it last week, each movie progressively got better. And mm-hmm. I, I think with this one, Sergio Leone really hit like he 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 dialed in it was like yeah yeah this is this is gonna be great yeah so and it, you watched the two hour 11 minute one is that correct the two hour 58 minute oh two hour 58 yeah which is the one i watched uh also oh, i guess i did watch the extended yeah the fact that you saw the two hour 58 um and and aren't complaining about how long it was and how long it felt is odd. Um, it didn't bother me. I mean, there were... <sighs> to me, that's that's the downfall of this movie, is its life. There, it there is were a few moments watching it where I was just like, okay. But it didn't bother me enough to take me out of the movie where I was like, oh, okay. Like, there... You know, they're just riding. They're, they're just going. Right. They're pulling a. They're pulling a Lord of the Rings. They're, they're just walking. <laughs> I don't care. But I actually was like, okay, like there was there. The only thing I guess that would I would say bothered me didn't bother me, but bother is the only word I can use to describe is that an almost almost like like coincidence. All these things would happen. Okay. You know, like him. Uh, you know, Blondie turning on Tuco and then Tuco getting back at him. And then mm. it just, it was kind of almost like coincidental that these things would happen the way they did. Okay. And almost like they couldn't catch a break. Yeah. You know? When, yeah, maybe. Um, again, they are all going after the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, especially in, in the middle where they meet up with Angel Eyes mm-hmm. at the Confederate. Um, no, camp, the Union. The Union camp, sorry. Yeah, they think they're Confederates. Right. Um, and and then they then they decide, well, you know you know where and you know the spot, right? You know the area mm-hmm. where it is and you know the grave it's in. Yeah. Which add to your point, coincidental, right? Yeah. Uh, that only one of them knows only one piece of the information. Yeah. Right? And uh, Angel Eyes just seems to know a very broad idea yeah. of it, right? That he knows they're... that it is in a place, <laughs> and he knows it's close, kind of, right? Yeah. Um, but he doesn't know exactly where or close, or where. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they didn't really have to travel. Angel Eyes really, truthfully, wasn't that far away. Mm-hmm. He just needed a little, uh, a more dialed-in spot. Right. He just needed to know the exact point of where it was. Yeah. Right. Uh, of course, that's the gold. Right. Yeah. Um, so, all right. I don't like Civil War movies. Uh, you, I, just, you, you can't put on glory and, and, no. and cry with Denzel? I... Th- I think they're boring. I think Civil War movies are boring. I think the Civil War is boring. I And that's my own personal thing. Like, I mean, I know that I should probably think it's not boring. I get that. I, I know that that's a, a fault in my character. But I can't help myself. I just... It's, it's sort of like if you were to make me watch Troy, I would also be very bored. Because I don't like that stuff either. 
Okay, right. I'll give you a pass on that. I, I so I I love history. Um, history movies don't bother me. Mm. When it comes to the Civil War, on the other hand, it has to be done well mm. for me to really be engaged. Um, Dances with Wolves is a perfect example of it being done well. Um, uh, Glory also. I love Glory. I think it's a fantastic movie. Uh, a bummer of an ending, but a great movie. Um, those are the only two examples I can think oh. of. Okay. Uh, sorry, <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say that. The Civil War stuff in this didn't bug me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell okay. you why. Tell me why. It's, it's not just that it's a Civil War stuff going on. It's, it's taking me out of Wild West. Uh, it's okay. taking me I get out you. of Wild West and putting me into a Civil War movie and then putting me back into Wild West and then putting me back into Civil War, right? Yeah, I, I, I guess I don't like the, the back and forth because I love the Wild West stuff and yeah. then we get into the Civil War stuff and I'm like, ugh, you know? Like, can we just get out of it already? <laughs> I, okay, I, 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 can, I can see your point because, like, the big battle sequence towards the end of the movie, I was like, that's not really historically accurate. Well, and I mean, to be honest, doesn't really doesn't add anything. Well, I, I don't want to say it doesn't push the narrative along because it does because they keep hitting these checkpoints. But it's yeah. I don't know. Again, we watch the extended version, right? Yeah. So maybe if we, you know, it, I've never seen the original cut. Um, so maybe you think maybe the the original cut has that stuff kind of toned down. Maybe. Maybe. You know, uh, I do know that. Damn, I really, I was really hoping that you were going to say something that I wouldn't know. Like, oh yeah, I guess I hadn't seen the extended. Nope, you also saw but it. Now- <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's the three hour. I can't believe you thought it would have been longer than that. Uh, I well, when you said it was extended, I was like, oh okay. Well, like, I mean, well, not the longest movie Sergio Leone has ever done. He also did Once Upon a Time in America, uh, which is three forty five. Damn, uh, which is amazing, by the way. Um, no, that's okay. I, movie, I, so. I do kind of see your point, though. There, there are, there were a few moments where I was like, okay, like I would forget that, like, oh, the Civil War is growing on, right? But again, like I said, the 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 part of me that really loves history was like, that's not right, though. And what was it right, right? So the so the battle sequence towards the end of the movie wasn't right. Because, yes, they used cannons during the Civil War, but they didn't build up, like, an arm, like, 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 build trenches into, like, the side of a, a hill. Hmm. Like, neither side did that. Well, because I, did, I don't know. Because most of these fights were happening in open fields. Mm-hmm. Also, the West had pretty much died out by the time the Civil War actually happened. You know, the West was in the downswing and, and people were quote unquote becoming more civilized ironically during well where we were fighting in on each other well I will tell you that one of the tropes of uh, western films uh, is the the unwillingness to change and yeah. the the fight um, the the fighting off of uh Revolution in in like industrial revolution and it, you know they're they don't want that right yeah and so I I get it mm. right because maybe 
that the West was on the downturn, right? But well, that maybe it was. What, you know, just well, what I mean, <laughs> what I mean was the people who were still stuck there, uh-huh. uh, like our characters in this one. I mean, they're they're not going to change, right? They're not yeah. gonna, they're not going to evolve. Right yeah. in their in their modern way of life, that's not going to happen. Right. right? Okay. Because yeah. they they don't want that. Yeah. Right. That's the whole idea of the Wild West. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Red Dead Redemption does that really well. Specifically, not Red Dead Redemption Two, the one before it. The Red first Dead Redemption, because it is it, that game does take place during the. The downswing of the West. Men, you know, there are no more outlaws. There are no more lawmen. They're, you know. Anyway, I just, the history buff in me was like, but that's not right, though. <laughs> but it, it, not enough for me to be like, okay, I don't like this movie anymore. I was just like, that's just, it's just not right. Right. I, but then again, it's 66. 66, yeah. So the, it wasn't, a lot of historically accurate movies weren't. That wasn't the thing. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, as long as you got a like a general idea, mm. there you go. Right. <laughs> you know. Also, um, the the length, right? Uh-huh. The length of the movie, three yes. hours. The extended cut that we watched. Yes. Um, this doesn't jive with Clint Eastwood. Really? Uh, Clint Eastwood did not. He thought it was too bloated. He said it was. It was bloated. It wasn't explosive. It wasn't exciting and action packed. Like the previous two, right? He was okay. he was saying it was too much, right? Uh, a lot of downtime, and he also didn't like that. Really, the movie belongs to Tuco. The movie doesn't belong to Blondie or Angel Eyes, right? Mm. Tuco has the most screen time, and that's a fact. So yeah, um, especially that the, the sequence when he makes his way back to town and is rehydrating and right. building his gun and right. yeah, the actor actually. Had, didn't know anything about guns and so uh leone just said do whatever you want in this scene and so the guy watching him those are his real reactions because he goes what are you doing you know <laughs> oh if it's all like is, oh. is clicking of the right uh, i guess he knew enough to take it apart and put it back together but the fact that i mean what difference it made he had no idea and so he was just you know doing it for fun that's and funny just, right um but yeah two goes is really the main character in this movie, or should we or should we say the ugly, right, is the is the main character of this movie? Yeah. See, now that you say it, I see it because watching it I didn't really click with me. Mm-hmm. I just enjoyed the movie, right? Uh, but yeah, now that you say it, yeah, I'm like, yeah. again, not saying it's a bad movie. No, 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 not at all. No, this no. is just you know uh, what Clint Eastwood thought. This is what. Honestly, it is, which is, you know, Tuco has the most screen time. Mm. Um, Angel Eyes is barely in it. Yeah, and Tuco definitely seems to to be the one who experiences more of a character arc. Yes, and that is also Clint Eastwood's point. And he he said that the only three-dimensional character is Tuco. Uh, Yeah, Blondie is just essentially just the sidekick. Pretty much. um, he's, he's, He's the badass sidekick. To our fumbling hero. Right. Yeah. And uh, Clint Eastwood being the good of the good, the bad, and the ugly Blondie, mm. uh, he actually kills the most people in the movie. Yeah. Um, he kills 11. Oh, god damn. Um, Tuco kills six, 
Angel Eyes kills three. So combined, <laughs> uh, Tuco and Angel Eyes, Clint Eastwood still got more bodies. Um, so our hero kills the most people in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I would say then Angel Eyes, the bad, just make he's just sadistic. Yeah. I, I think his... <laughs> Well, okay. Let's talk about this. Okay. What makes Angel Eyes a worse person than Blondie? De- I think definitely the opening when we see Angel Eyes for the first time mm-hmm. and he just guns down that dad and son like it was nothing, you know? Well, let's say... Okay. That um, two Blondie, of his three people that he killed. Let's see. Let's say Blondie. Blondie okay. was, is is in the same situation, and he also wants money, right? Right. They all do. This mm-hmm. is all the movie is them getting money, right? Right. Would he have done anything different? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Which is so interesting because we're, you know, this is obviously we're we're in the third one. This is we know this person by now, right? Yeah. Again, legally not the same person, but this is the same person. I don't think he is better of a person morally than than, Angel Eyes. Than Angel Eyes or the Colonel or Tuco or... Um, Ramon or the El Indio. I don't think, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't. Maybe El Indio because he was uh, he was a little more vicious, a little more sadistic. You know, he had yeah, that rape Killing his own men just because. Right, 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 right. Maybe not El Indio, but definitely, <laughs> definitely the Colonel and Angel Eyes and Tuco. Oh, yeah. Right? And these are supposed to be the antagonists. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Well, and I, I did read that um, originally. Angel Eyes wasn't supposed to be played by uh, I Lee can't Van remember Cleef. the gentleman's name. Lee Van Cleef? Yeah. Uh, Sergio wanted someone who who could really dial in the sadisticness of Angel Eyes but within the more he thought about it like well he's going from this really like romantic character and it like the more and more he thought about like okay well seeing Lee Van Cleef play this sadistic character after playing this romantic character, mm-hmm. I would actually like to see that. Right. And then... And I love Lee Van Cleef. That's not the problem. Yeah, I think I think he did a good job separating I the two agree. characters. I You know, it was originally going to be like Charles Bronson at one point. <gasps> Charles uh, Bronson. Which he will later do Once Upon a Time in the West uh, with Sergio Leone. Okay. Um, so it all kind of worked out. Kind of. Uh, but here's, here's what would have been so cool. Okay. And it never happened for reasons we're about to get into. But uh, Clint Eastwood was going to be, supposed to be, was asked to be in Once Upon a Time in the West. Really? And he said, no. Um, Because he was so sick of Sergio's perfectionism. Really? And and his, you know, the way he he directs and the the way he runs a set. He was so sick of it (laughs) that as soon as it was over, it was over. And he never worked with them again. Wow. Yeah. And one of the main things was Clint Eastwood hates smoking. And I don't know if you've noticed, 
but in all three movies. He smokes a he cigar. Smokes. And so with Sergio's perfectionism in multiple takes, he goes, dude. I can't do it again. He goes, you better get it this time. I'm going to throw up. So let's go. You know. Not only, I always felt like in certain scenes he wasn't actually smoking the cigar. He was just no, chewing Chewing it. on it. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, every once in a while he has to light it, right? Because mm-hmm. he's always, uh, which I love this part of his character, he's always lighting, uh, he's always striking the match on different things. Right? Or, or like he lights it with his thumb. Yeah, either his thumb, he'll use. Which I, dude, I've been trying to do that forever. Just talking about. He's, he uses Tuco sometimes. So he'll, he'll use his shoe or whatever. Yeah, that's that's really interesting knowing that Clint Eastwood didn't like that. Because, you know, I've heard that his films, you know, I mean, I haven't seen a handful of the movies he's directed. But I've heard that his films are very, not like tight like you have to when you're on my set you do this but mm-hmm. like very like Clint knows what he wants like precise exactly I think maybe it's the way he goes about it maybe maybe no. or maybe he doesn't practice what he preaches I don't know who knows I just know Scott Eastwood his son didn't like something on the Fast and Furious set and apparently was like trying to fight like Vin Diesel or The Rock or some bullshit. I don't know. I've know. never seen that. I didn't know Scott Eastwood was in that. Also, I can't believe he agreed to be in one. Listen, I don't know. But <laughs> that, um, that was the worst non sequitur in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, but you no, made, just, you, when you started the sentence, I was like, oh, he's okay. He's going to, it's going to connect. They're going to make sense together. And they didn't. So, <laughs> sorry about that, everyone else who's listening to this. Um, um, so, anyway. So, that's why Clint Eastwood never worked with Sergio again. And a lot of the reason probably why he just didn't like the movie in general. So, so we talked about last week how when Clint got offered for a few dollars more, he jumped at it. Because yeah. he was like, yeah. Do you think, it, do you think going in he didn't know what what this one was going to be like or do you think he, he was just doing it just to be like alright you know I again Fistful of Dollars is one of those really unique westerns that we talked about right mm-hmm. that it is this 180 and the way of looking at what a western can look like and what it can be right even to the point where it um, it changed the notion of the all all-powerful or mystical um, sheriff, right? Mm-hmm. He takes the badge off the sheriff, gives it to someone else, says, you need a new sheriff, right? Yeah. That sheriff is no longer the most heroic person in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's an outlaw gunslinger drifter, right? Right. And, and so that was what's so exciting about Fistful of Dollars is that it is so different. You mean for a few dollars more? Right. Well, that one was for a few dollars more, but you get the idea. Yeah. That, you know, these these tropes are being dismantled. Taken. Right. And and so I don't blame him at all for wanting to jump right into the next one. I think it was by the time they got to this third one that things are just starting to wear on him. Yeah. Right? He's he 36. Was, he was starting to notice that this particular one isn't going to be like the other two. No. Right? And that it's going to be a little grander in scope and it's going to focus on different people. And again, it's a lot longer. No. Right? And yeah, yeah okay. I, I think that's probably what it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm kind of getting it now. But luckily, 
Clint was such a professional that well, we yeah, got I mean, a yeah, damn yeah. good movie out of it. Also, they didn't wash the poncho. Oh, so, no. Uh, yeah. Throughout all three movies. So by the time he picks it up in this one... And throws it on, it's it's <laughs> a three-year-old, never-washed, <laughs> screen-used poncho. Good yeah. lord. And how do they keep that thing... I mean, it looked great. It did. Yeah. Good lord. Even the hat's the same because it, it has the bullet holes from four few dollars more on it. That yeah, and you can which kind is kind of confusing, right? Because this is before that. Yeah. Right. Narrative speaking. Yeah, because the bullet holes are there in fistful dollars. Right. I think it's just it's the same hat, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like we don't have another one. We can't, and they probably couldn't repair it, so they're just like, right there. You go. Because to the to the observer like yourself yeah uh, that didn't know it was a prequel when he said put these clothes on and he's wearing the outfit mm-hmm. right what did you think did, were, were you just like he just had his clothes on him or <laughs> it didn't even cross my oh, mind oh I gotcha okay. I was just like okay he's wow, getting them out a lot of clothes look the same back then <laughs> um, yeah a lot of blues a lot of blues a lot of black jeans <laughs> that cool vest thing I get it uh, okay cool dang Westerners had way better outfits. Yeah. Whoa. So cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't even... Like, it, I didn't even hit me like, oh, that's his hat. The only thing that I was like, <gasps> was the poncho. The poncho. Yeah. But then I was like, I was like, wow, they're just going to introduce it at the end of the third act? Okay. Because he had never had it up until then. Right? Yeah, it that's didn't even, the point. Right. didn't even click. Right, right, right. And so, all right. Um... Little fun things about the costumes. Um, I don't remember his name. How I wish, dare you? No, nah, it's Tuco, but I, I, oh. I don't remember the actor's name. Oh, uh, Ashley's meemaw told me, and she cool. was like, oh my gosh. Because he's great, and he's been in a bunch of things. You've probably seen him in something um, as an old man, by uh, the way. Let me see. He is, of course, one of three people in the movie. Eli Wallach. Thank you. Eli Wallach. So uh, he, yeah, he was the old man in uh, the Holiday with Jack Black and that uh, is correct. Holy <laughs> shit! All right. So <laughs> yes, he's, so you um, can't believe it's named out a rom com. Those of you who, yeah, but it's the Holiday. It's awesome. So I, those, it is awesome. Those of you who um, Nancy Myers, right? Are probably. <laughs> Sorry, I keep interrupting. Are uh, who are listening, who are about the same age as us? Um, you've seen Eli before uh, in something as an old man. So uh, he was in, I believe, an episode of House. He was in an episode of uh, Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip. He was in The Holiday. He was an episode he, of Nurse Jackie. It was Nurse Jackie. Sorry, not House. Sorry about that. Um, anyway great actor he's been working until the day he died uh, steadily yeah it was Nancy Myers by the way of course Nora Ephron kill yourself (laughs) so um, so Eli Wallach yes um, who didn't know anything about guns the reason he was wearing it as a lanyard right uh, which I thought was cool as fuck by the way awesome because he didn't do it to look cool he did it because he couldn't uh, unholster a gun and holster it back without looking at it. Oh, so he had to look down and 
Right. Uh, you would have to look at it to unholster okay. and look at it to put it back. As where Clint is just like, boom. Right. Yeah. Right. And, of course, Lee Van, Lee Van Cleef can do the same thing. Right. Yeah. They don't have to look at it. But he just couldn't get the hang of not looking at it. And so he just put it in his belt around a lanyard so he didn't have to think about it. Right. So he could just yank it up real quick. Exactly. Well, I mean, I thought it was just because Tuco. Truth be told, I was like, okay, he just wants to keep it close. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it works. And it, yeah, it comes in handy, especially when he's in the bathing. Bath. And he <sighs> and that that line was improvised, uh, where he said, if you're going to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Yeah. And apparently the crew laughed so hard at that, and he was like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean, what? <laughs> he goes... That's just uh, that's just the the same thing to say. Why would you talk so much? Just shoot, yeah. Right, and they just thought that was so funny. Well, it's and, a good thing they weren't recording audio. I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I know because then they'd have to do it again. Right. Like <sighs> do it again. Reset. Right. And then it wouldn't land as well. No. But it was yeah that one, that was a fun one. The uh, that is well that's a badass line to say. It's a badass. I mean, line. just like blasts him. With the with the gun in it, the bathtub with him, just yeah. blasts him. <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? It's and that's call. It's sort of meta too, because it's always calling out this uh, this weird thing that always happens in these movies where people just talk too much before they shoot. Before yeah. they shoot, they haven't even cocked their gun yet. It's like if you're gonna shoot him, shoot him. Like I don't know what you're like. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Right? And that's, that's Tuco's thing. And that's also John Wick's thing, by the way. So let's uh, shout out to John Wick. John Wick don't talk either. Not, so, dude. Yeah, I know. He, nah. he, he got that. He, got he also that. double taps, which is so dope. We yeah. should do a John Wick episode. Anyway. Dude, uh, we would have to do multiple. Yeah. I would willingly <laughs> sit here and talk about all three. My mom's got the comics. Um, yeah, there were comics and there were prequels to the first movie. And I was like... Oh, so cool. Anyway, sorry about that digression, but I know. But um, John Wick is tied to John Wick is so cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> and they right. keep just getting better. They do, just like these movies. Speaking of shooting without sound, yes. Let's talk about the music. So I'm assuming Sergio did the same thing. Yes, it's the exact same thing he did. He always says, you know, Marconi, go ahead and write the music, and then give it to me so we can. Play it. Right, so we right. can play it during the shoot, right? And so this becomes extremely important in the very last scene at the cemetery, right? Yeah. Uh, this is also where we're going to get this ridiculous uh, editing style that Sergio will become known for. That is this this cut, 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 right? Uh-huh. Closer, closer, closer. Closer, 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 eyeballs, 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 right? And oh, oh, the final shootout. All we're doing is getting closer to them, right? And yeah. it just builds up the tension so much, and, and the music is swelling, and it's crescendoed, and then bam, right? Then we get the action. But uh, between when they start mm-hmm. and when the action takes place, it's a long time. Yeah. Right? But it doesn't feel like a long time because we're building this tension through music and editing. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, there is no dialogue. There there really is nothing happening. They're just standing. They're looking at each other. Yeah. Right? But it's this... The way that the, the editing is, is put together, 
I mean, you're on the edge of your seat. You're like, well, what's going to happen? Who's going to fire first? Well, what's going on? I know. Right? And especially, you know, most duels aren't with three people right you now, which made this all the more tenuous because it was either one person's going to die or two people are going to die. Right. All three are going to die. Right. And we, we don't know. Yeah. Right. And it's it's the point where they start backing up. The yeah the, the when the editing starts getting closer to their face, mm-hmm. right? And I mean these are extreme close ups. Oh yeah. Up until we get to just the eyeballs. <laughs> extreme close up. Right. Exactly. These are I mean it's intense. Yeah. Right. And again the fact that the actors were able to hear the music. Yeah. Really, while they were doing it helps so much yeah, because sure they can really, feel it. Yeah. Right? They, they can feel they're able to grab onto that emotion and that tension and show it, mm-hmm. you know, on their faces. Because if they just shot it normally, I don't know if it'd be as good. Actually, I know it wouldn't. Because yeah. Because they'd be like, all right, and all right, and, and, and we're backing up, and we're, and we're, we're staring at each other, and shoot. Right. That's right. Exactly. That's silly. Yeah. But to that, have that was me music, being a director. <laughs> but to have the music dictate their actions and their emotions mm-hmm. and their expressions, body language, and even that, timing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So that, of course, makes it exponentially better mm-hmm. and uh, a lot more intense and you know a a lot more action packed. To be honest, yeah, I was I was definitely on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh my god, especially like because at first I'm like, all right, what are they gonna do? And then they start backing up from each other, and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, oh shit, and I'm and I was like like getting closer to the TV, like, oh no, yeah, that like, was a real skeleton, by the way. Really? Yes. the The actress, she's a Spanish actress. Uh, in her will, asked for her to act, um, even after she was dead. Oh, yeah. And so they got to use her skeleton because uh, <laughs> it's kind of like donating your body to science, but for a dumber reason. So, Not uh, a cooler reason. Sure. Um, like those skeletons. In, less uh, humanitarian reason. Uh, like those skeletons in, uh, in uh, Poltergeist. Yeah. You wish that those were uh, willing participants. No, they weren't. <laughs> That's a different thing. But, yeah. um, but anyway, um, the music, of course, is amazing. Yeah. Right. Another thing that's amazing, and that bookends the series of films, is the opening title credits. Yeah. Uh, I have it written down because he only did A Fistful of Dollars and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, because in A Few Dollars More, I mean, it just kind of comes across the the screen. The words were animated, but it wasn't a full on animated sequence. Right. Like the other two are. Mm -hmm. My God, I wrote it then. Hang on, it's uh oh sorry, page turn. Lord, that's loud. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's like it's like when you're listening to an audiobook and you can hear them turn the page. Like I've never been able to hear someone no, turn the page in an audiobook. <laughs> I was like, what audiobooks are you listening to? Um, All of them. All right, hold on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh no. So my, how are you guys doing? My handwriting is so terrible. Uh, Watch any watch any good movies lately, guys? Comment down below. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Lardini, Lardini, whatever. His last name is Lardini. Anyway, he uh, he did the animated sequence uh, for both. 
Um, Not Walt Disney? No. And <laughs> that was silly. And, but I, I do think that it, again, it's that, that whole thing about really starting off really big, really action-packed, really exciting, mm-hmm. right? It's something that will be replicated later with Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Starting off with a bang, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, open, movies didn't used to open like that, right? They used to start very slowly, and right? Gradually build. ease you in to to the narrative, into mm-hmm. the storyline, and and then take off later, right? Right. But with things like this, where they just boom, they start off, right? Mm-hmm. Where in it, where I talked about last week that in a fistful of dollars, it's really to its detriment. Because then it slows way down. Yeah. Right? Uh, instead of a gradual sort of, not a lull necessarily, but, you know, a, a gradual shift in the narrative to mm-hmm. where we can get the story going along. Uh, this one, it was sort of similar, where starts off with this gigantic uh, animated um, title Long- sequence. Yeah. Right? The music is gigantic as well, and it, it swells and uh, it gets you so excited. And then we start with the narrative, which is <laughs> Clint Eastwood uh, with Blondie and Tuco have this scam. This scam that they do, where he captures him, uh, turns him into the law. They hang him, but he shoots him down, takes him to another town that he's wanted in, and they collect the money. Right? Yeah. Uh, great scam, by the way. Um, I mean, more. It's more of a great scam on Blondie's part, less on Tuco's, because you know he yeah. he has to deal with maybe he'll miss. You know. Yeah, especially uh, yeah, especially <laughs> when that happens to uh, who is it, Joe? Later on, yes. He's like, oh, I like Joe. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, Joe. Yeah. Because <laughs> Tuco makes him not shoot. Oh, shorty. But they, oh, yeah, that's shorty. A, yeah. But that's a slang term, I think. Because no. uh, they use it a lot throughout the series. Um, <laughs> shorty, I think, is just Western slang for... Friend, I don't know. Or something, right? Yeah. Sorry, shorty. <laughs> and it was it's just so nonchalant, like, oh, well. Like, uh, well, he's dead. Yeah. Dead. By the way, which of course Clint Eastwood doesn't care. He's already collected the money. Yeah. Right. At this point, so again, our hero <laughs> isn't so heroic at times. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, again, I think it goes back to what we kind of talked about last week: is that he's an anti-hero. Yes. He's not. That's true. You know, he's not our our knight in shining armor. Mm-hmm. You know, the most white he wears really is his like his jacket when we first meet him. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the jacket begins to get dirty, and he eventually loses the jacket. Right, and then so. puts the poncho on, and yeah. you know, then we get the man with no name. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know, dude. I dig antiheroes. Yeah. Especially Who when does? they're well written, you know. Uh, again, like I mentioned last week, you know, he was definitely the the inspiration for the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's. <sighs> I mean, Mando really becomes a quote-unquote good guy in the final episode. You know, you would argue that his willingness to protect the child, quote this fifty-year-old child, um, <laughs> that that would make him a little bit more 
heroic, a little bit more, a little bit less um, ambiguous right. in his morals, right? Yeah. Where our guy... Doesn't really care. Joe, Blondie, Man, whatever. Uh, Manchuko, Manku, Man... Hey, Manko. Manko, yeah, that's right. Um, you know... <laughs> let's go ahead, narrative-wise... The, the first thing that we ever see him do is this scam. Yeah. Na- again, narrative-wise. Uh, this is throughout the series of the storytelling. Yeah, and after he kills the bounty hunters, you close in on Tuco. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's it, it's weird. It's weird to, to root for... The, I mean, it's easy to root for him because he's Clint Eastwood and it's super easy because he's yeah. awesome. Right? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> even in... Um, Literally, he stands taller than everybody else because he's so tall. But since, um, again, what was his name? Tuco? Eli Mollick. Eli. Uh, he is so short. There's a nine-inch difference between the two of them yeah. that it was hard for them to to put both of them in the same shot. Because Clint was so tall. Because Clint is so much taller than he is. <laughs> is that why in a lot of scenes when they're together, Clint is indirectly like hunkered down like when they're on the I wagon and he's like leaning back because he he literally can't uh, stand up straight <laughs> because then he wouldn't be in the shot anymore that's you know funny what I mean? and because Eli is so short or maybe he's just Clint is so tall I don't know how it's tall probably he is. that Clint is so t- usually tall tall men are just, they're just tall I just I don't know how tall he is but uh, he's over six feet I know that I wouldn't know um, yeah, I, don't know. I'm I, think, nine, I think so. me and you are average height for normal men. Oh, that's nice, but I'm sure I'm just short. That's fine. How tall are you? 5'9". I'm 5'10". I'm not that... You're not that much shorter than me. I'm just saying. My wife... My wife... Is 5'3". Yeah, she's short. She's short. I love her to death. And if she listens to this, I love you. But you she got those shrimp listen. legs. She she thinks what we do is uh, tomfoolery. Tomfoolery? Or, or buffoonery. But she, she can't stand our buffoonery. Um, <laughs> I know. That's why she didn't hang out when we were not filming the short film. So, yeah. Waiting for the sun to go down. So, um, more fun facts. I love more fun facts. I know. Um, originally... Uh, the two hour and eleven minute. At least I think that's the right time. Uh, time right. I know that's that's the time, the runtime for a few for, for a few dollars more. Uh, maybe it's a little longer. Um, anyway, uh, for the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, the the extra footage uh-huh. was never dubbed in English. It was only in oh. Italian, right? And so when they decided to release. The English-speaking version as the extended cut, they needed to get everybody back. So they needed Clint, they needed Eli, they needed Lee. The only problem is, this is in the 90s, Lee Van Cleef is dead. Oh, shit. And so someone else dubs his lines. Well, they did a great job. I know. Did you even catch it? No. Of course, then again, I didn't know I was watching the extended, so... Well, I mean, either way, it, it wasn't a a major change in voice, right? I mean, they got someone that sounds a lot like him. Or... I don't remember who they got. Since it was the 90s, do you think they had this guy redo the whole thing? No, I don't think so. Because I think they... From what I read, they had just... They just, they just did the footage that they right, had. Right, dubbed over the footage that okay. they, they hadn't done already. I mean, that makes sense. That would be just easier than... I mean, technically, the easier way would just be 
having the guy redo everything, but money wise no and it even sounds like Lee Van Cleef in, yeah. in a lot of places so I you know I right who knows but that's a little fun fact for you that um, I mean they waited so long to release that cut props to fucking voice actors man like um I'm trying to think of one where they did that recently where it wasn't the person but they I mean early 90s voice actors for like Bugs Bunny did a great job and you know sounding like Mel Blanc of course Mel Blanc will always be the voice of Bugs Bunny but the newer voice actors for all these new shows sound nothing like Mel Blanc <laughs> but, but that's impressive man yeah. especially for the 90s for a redub and the fact that they waited so long so I mean well I'm sure they had to to give you a good example Okay. Uh, of, a, of a more topical recent example of how your voice changes over time mm-hmm. is I, Tonya. So if you've oh. seen the movie I, Tonya, which is amazing, by the way, uh, Margot Robbie plays Tonya Harding differently in terms of voice as a young Tonya Harding than the... When she quote, plays her... In the adult. interviews, right? Oh, okay. In the interviews, as older Tanya Harding, she uh, drops it a little bit, makes it a little um, a little lower. Okay. And then she gravels it a little bit because not only is she older, but she's been smoking this whole time, right? Uh-huh. And so you have to you have to change your voice because it does change over time, and so a brilliant acting choice um, from did she get the Robbie. Oscar for that movie? No. Alice and Janney did. Well, Alice and Janney is... I love Alice and Janney. Also Alice and Janney. Yeah. I love Alice and Janney very much. Yes. Um, but anyway, so that's... Uh, so the fact that... I mean, it it didn't miss... I didn't... I didn't hear anything different from... Um, from Especially for Clint, you know. You know, when they did this, he was 36. So the 90s, let's just say... He'd have been in the 60s. Or yeah. almost 70. Yeah, and, I mean, and his voice now, as an older man, is very distinguishable. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen The Mule yet. Eh. Eh. That upsets me. I don't I don't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> not to say it's a bad movie. I just didn't like it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also again, didn't like The Tax Collector, everyone. <laughs> Did you see it? No. No. Um, no, I'm going off of his what you said. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to watch it just shout for out, Shia. Shout out Shia LaBeouf because he was the best part of that movie. <laughs> he was so good. And his his one scene with his massive chest tattoo. Could barely even see it in that. <laughs> Could barely even see it in that scene with his shirt off. But no, but my point being is, you know, you know, props to Clint. Yeah. You know, because if he was in his sixties, his voice definitely was a lot is a lot different from right. Again, when he was thirty six. It's a thirty year difference. Yeah. So, uh, um, it's impressive. Oh right? yeah, dude. Well, especially a, for for Eli, man. Because now that I know who he, who he is, I can I can just see I only see him as Arthur, this character in the Holiday. The Holiday. Just a little, just a little old man <laughs> who. You know, Kate Winslet befriends. Uh, something fun uh, about him is that um, he spoke very little to no Italian, right? Okay. Sergio Leone spoke very little English, and so they spoke to each other in French. Uh, really? Yeah. Because they both knew French? They both knew French. And well, so they spoke to each other in French to be able to... Communicate. About, right, uh, decisions, things like that. Well, I mean, and supposedly French is super easy to learn. And Wouldn't know. Not even going to try. 
It's too late in my life to learn another language. That's not true. People learn uh, languages all the time. Yeah, in their, you know, I don't got the time. I'm, I mean, now that might be true, but the fact that you couldn't do it is not true. So let's not let's not go there. Nah, um, but no, nah, that's isn't that fun? I, I love learning little things. You know, like I know when we talked about when we had Alex on. I don't remember for what, and we talked about you know learning certain things about film. We don't want to learn, you know, because mm. it'll take away the magic. But it was Children of Men. That's it was right. The car scene. That's right. That's right. Um, but I mean, I don't know, like facts like that. And I that love. was my stance because I, uh, you know, now when I watch it, all I can think about is how they did it, right? Oh, and you—that's right, because you said you didn't want to ruin it for us. I don't want to ruin it, right? And I, you know, I don't. It's so impressive and so seamless and so beautifully shot that I I was sad when I learned how they did it because now that's all I can see. But um, but no, like but learning like these kind of fun facts like right, really that's different. like they don't. I feel like it adds like to the movie. Mm-hmm. Like oh, like he couldn't talk to the director, so he talked to him in French. Right. You know. Um, yeah, Which I is love. six foot one and tons of fun, you know? <laughs> uh, shout out to Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, yeah, man. I, I really love this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's a good movie. I mean, again, it's. I would have to say that it is not my favorite of the three. I would say that I'm going to stick with for, for a few, few dollars, dollars more. more. Yeah, that's my favorite. I mean, I, I, I definitely get it. Um, I don't know. Something about this one just stuck with me more. Mm-hmm. You're not the only one. It is, um, as of right now... The only the highest rated film on IMDb to have zero Oscar nominations. Really? Yeah. Um, but it's also, I think, maybe the highest rated Western on there as well. And it is said to be the greatest Western of all time. Is the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I mean, you know, I kind of mentioned it last week, but this one especially, I could see where future. Uh, Westerns kind of built upon this. Yeah. You know, like Sergio pretty much redefined the standard. Yes. And was like, this is how a Western should be. Mm -hmm. And after that, we got, you know, I can't name Westerns because I haven't seen a lot in my life. Um, We we get, um, especially with Clint, Mm -hmm. stepping into the director's chair, right? Right. We get High Plains Drifter, which is violent bloody right it's mm. you know it's this it's this it's this genre of right. western right and you know then we get out of all Josie Wales again Clint Eastwood right I was just watching a movie that's that was it <laughs> sorry I was I'm so sorry to take this off on, on this tangent, everyone. You know, I was there's still wa- time not to. I was watching. I'm going to anyway. Mm-hmm. I was watching the behind the scenes of the Wolverine. Okay. And they used the outlaw Josie Wales as inspiration for where Wolverine is in this movie. I see. Because uh, I... I did not like that movie. Besides so. Logan, I feel like the Wolverine is probably one of the strongest movies of his. I know you just said you didn't Oof. like it. I liked it. Of course, Logan tops that. Logan is fantastic. Yeah, Logan is unforgiven. Yes, that's yes. They Hugh Jackman said that in the behind the scenes that Outlaw Josie Wells was always meant to be the inspiration because James Mangold did both the Wolverine yes, and Logan. That's correct. Uh, but then he said, well, then we wanted to add in Forgiven, 
for Logan. Uh, I guess another fun fact for that would be I think he also did three to Yuma. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. So, love that uh, movie. So bringing that Western motif into this comic book world, mm-hmm. right? Again, I think it it plays better with Logan with the Unforgiven being the the inspiration. Yeah. Right. Um, especially in the comic, it was the inspiration. For, for Old Man Logan. For Old Man Logan, yeah. Uh, was Unforgiven. Which right. they didn't, which I thought was kind of interesting that they didn't, sorry everyone, we'll get back to the Bad Ugly. They didn't even use Old Man Logan for Logan. It was Unforgiven. They kind of threw Old Man Logan out. Was like, yeah, it's, well, the the comic book is too dense and there's it, there's too many intellectual properties to add in oh, to, yeah. to make it right. Well, <laughs> Now Disney's fucking got him, yeah, so it's so all good now. Yeah, yeah you would think. just call Hugh Jackman back and like, hey, we're redoing it. <laughs> You're gonna die again. It's good enough as it is uh, because <laughs> Unforgiven is a great place. It's a great jumping off point because uh, uh, it's a phenomenal film. And again, Clint Eastwood, where we're getting, you know, like I said last week, it's almost like if the man with no name grew up and became the character in Unforgiven. Right. Uh, last sidebar. Ashley refuses to watch the Logan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Logan. She refuses to watch Logan. Uh, to quote my wife, um, I'm not ready to say goodbye. I'm like that's a that's a four year old movie. Four, three, two, one, four. Plus seven, not one. Uh, I think it's four. Take your time. Anyway. So. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Um, yeah, dude. I may have to watch uh, Outlaw Josie Wales and Unforgiven now. Yes, those are, again, phenomenal films. Um, and, again, I'm only picking Clint Eastwood ones only because I love Clint Eastwood. But now, speaking of Clint, would you say that these movies inspired Dirty Harry? The Dirty Harry series? That's a good question. He didn't He didn't do Dirty Harry. I mean, he was in it, but he was—he didn't direct or anything like that. Right, right. Uh, no, 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 really, I, the main thing for Dirty Harry was Detective Dave Tosky of the San Francisco Police Department and the Zodiac Killer. That was the main uh, inspirations. Okay. Um, so, in the movie Zodiac, which is, again, one of my favorite crime films of all time. Yeah, I've has, seen it 30 times. And has now three Marvel characters, three Marvel guys Un- in it. It's such an unbelievably great film. Yeah, it's um, awesome. But when they go to see, um, there's a scene where they go and see Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry is being shown for the San Francisco Police Department. Um, Dave Tosky, and that's, played by Mark Ruffalo, uh, okay, yeah. is there. And uh, they don't mention that he he was a consultant on the movie, uh, but of that's, Dirty not, Harry? that's not mentioned in oh, okay. Zodiac. Um, but they show the opening, the sec I guess the second scene in the movie where uh, the killer's letter is being read by the mayor, uh-huh. and it's very similar to a Zodiac letter, right? Uh-huh. And so that's what the inspiration to that was. And um, okay, he was also Dave Tosky was also the inspiration for Bullet. Uh, Steve McQueen's character in Bullet. Oh. Um, there's again in Zodiac. There's a great line where Jake Gyllenhaal says he wears his gun like Bullet, and <laughs> and uh, Robert Downey Jr. goes, "Well, McQueen got it from Tosky." So uh, okay. uh, the only reason he wore it like that is because Dave Tosky wears his gun like that. And so again, consultant for both movies. But anyway, anyway, I was just curious, you know, because you know. 
besides the man with no name, I know Dirty Harry is also one of Clint's big characters. Dirty Harry is amazing. It's so good. How uh, many films did he do of Dirty Harry? Five. God damn. Yeah. So they're... This is how they screw you. All right? Okay. They're, they always do movies in four packs. And so you can get a four pack of Dirty Harry movies, but that's not all of them. You still have one more to go. Oh. You know what I mean? Okay. So, yeah. So don't... Don't get the four-pack. Either get the complete collection or get them individually. Don't get the four-pack. That's not all of them. Okay. So. But, you know, I was just curious that if, you know, the the work that he did doing these three movies kind of led into Dirty Harry. Maybe he made acting choices that were similar to this character. I'm not going to say that's not true because I have no idea. Um, I, I don't. My extensive knowledge of. Dirty Harry only goes towards the Dave Tosky Zodiac influences. I really don't know anything else other than that. Oh, we, we've been talking about Zodiac. I kind of want to rewatch it when we're done. It's amazing. So <laughs> another thing about Dirty Harry before we move off of Dirty Harry is um, in the scene where uh, he says, I know what you're thinking. Did he shoot five or six? Mm-hmm. Do you feel lucky? Before we get to that, uh, he's in the diner while the bank is being robbed. And as he walks into the diner, there's a movie theater next door. And on the marquee, it says, Play Misty for me, uh, which is Clint Eastwood's first directorial film. Ah. Right? And um, he kind of smirks at it, and then he walks in. Um, so it was, kinda, it, was, it, was, it was an Easter egg before, yeah, like... It, yeah, it, it's someone who loves Clint Eastwood. And, of course, Play Misty for me was a gigantic success in a, in a huge movie at the time. Yeah. Um, a psychological thriller, sort of a horror film. Sort of. Yeah. horror film um, that it was his first film he ever directed um, I know I said it was Alojo Who Else last time that was like his fifth movie I looked it up uh, <laughs> right after I did that I was wrong um, so another goof uh, I goofed I goofed guys it wasn't Alojo's it was Play Misty <clears throat> for me so but anyway so back to the good the bad and the ugly mm-hmm. um, I do like that they introduced them backwards we got we inter- yes. we we meet the ugly first, then the bad, and then the good. And they do it again. They do it again at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, also backwards. Yeah, you know. So you were kind of saying how the good Blondie is meant to be our hero, and I straight up thought he was going to let leave Tuco to die. He at does the end. in the theatrical cut. Really? Yeah. So it's in the extended. They decided cuts him down. Yeah. To shoot the to save him. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I would actually uh, appreciate it more if they they left that ending in that he just left him to die. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it's a really interesting thing to change because uh, it's such a big thing to change, right? Yeah. In terms of character development, it's a gigantic thing, right? Yeah, because it almost almost makes it Blondie. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the right wording. I mean, he, you know, that he punks out and like, oh, just kidding. Yeah, you know, you could you could read it that way, which is fine. Well, I mean, that's not what I was looking for, but I mean, it's also it, it, it undercuts the point that he was trying to make to Tuco. Right. I I think that again in the theatrical cut, he uh-huh. doesn't cut him down. He just says bye, Tuco, and he leaves. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in the extended cut, he says bye Tuco, but then he cuts him down. Right. So it is sort of it. It teaches Tuco the same lesson without killing him. Right. No. Um, making him think that he's going to die. Mm-hmm. 
and then live to learn the lesson, right? Yeah. Um, and he gets to keep after the money stuff. Um, yeah. So I, you can't you can't say Blondie wasn't generous. Now I what I don't know is that if they added if they kept that in the theatrical is him giving him half the money. Okay. Right. Yeah, the the two for you and two for me. Right. Um, because that would also be very interesting if, and again, this is what comment sections are for. If um, I know I could just pop it in and watch it, and I'm probably not going to do that. So. Um, <laughs> Let us know if he still gives Tuco the money and then ends up killing him anyway. Because, I mean, again, very cruel. Um, but also, to his character, I mean, it's sort well, of a departure from what we know, right? We would just assume he would keep all of it. Yeah. You know, that's what I thought he was going to do <clears throat> when I realized that he was going to leave Tuco to die. Of course, but my main thought is like, damn, he held that grudge and really methodically planned like okay how am I going to get back at him yeah oh I know we'll dig up the treasure and I'll make him think he's going to walk away with it right and then I'm going to string him up right which is you know again I love grudges I hold them all the time (laughs) Um, so I get yeah and especially from the back and forth we've been getting between the two of them throughout the entire film. Almost like a like an old married couple. Kind of. It's a little... I mean, obviously, it's more violent than that. Yeah. Kind of. But it, it's, you know, the fact that they keep double-crossing each other, yet they keep, you know, teaming up at times. Yeah. Right? Which is so interesting. Especially and, when uh, Blondie uses the cannon <laughs> to yeah. stop him. Because he's just barely missing him to be like, hey... Uh, where do you think you're going? Like, yeah, I don't know where you're going, but I'm coming with. Let's go, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, because then they team up to blow up the bridge, mm-hmm. right? And which I loved. That was a great sequence. Oh, yeah, them um, putting the dynamite and stringing it along. Right. Again, it, it seems too long. That yeah. se- I mean, I enjoyed the sequence. That's not what I'm saying. I, I'm saying that, you know, in terms of trimming the fat yeah have them string it over two of them we get the idea and then right cut to them being done right but we just see all of it yeah which is fine i mean again that was exciting because i i enjoyed that sequence but it, it was interesting to, to see the whole thing yeah i, yeah, I kind of get what you're down. saying um but you're right it this this decision to save Tuco at the end Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, and I don't think yeah. I understand it yet. The only thing I could think of, because I'm kind of wrapping my head around the fact like that Blondie walks away with a hundred thousand dollars. Is the only thing I could think of is like, well, then where you know if this is meant to be a prequel, where'd the money go? Where'd the money go? I don't know. And the only thing I can think of is the fact that he let Tuco live. He had to spend it all to get away from him. Maybe. You know, like like Roger <laughs> trying to get Haley and Jeff's money. Right, you have to spend nah. all. Of it. You have to spend all of it. Yeah, and that's an interesting idea. Um, Makes sense why we see him, you know, wandering through the desert at the beginning of a fistful of dollars. Right. You know, barely, barely clinging to life. Yeah. 
But yeah, that's a good or, point. Or maybe we're not meant to know what he did with the money, right? Um, which I think is was the intention. Which is fine because we don't know what he what he does. This all we all we know is he walks off with a hundred thousand dollars, right? And and even in the next films, all we know is that you know he's this gun slinging drifter. We don't know what he's doing, what his end game is. Yeah. Right? He doesn't seem to have an end game. He just seems to just collect money and leave. Yeah. No matter the cost of collecting the money. Yeah. I, th- I think the only thing that we know that he may be doing is at the end of for a few dollars more. Right. He's definitely taking those bodies and he's going to retire. Yeah, because he's uh, that's a lot of money that he's got in that wagon. Yeah, I love that he's, he's counting. I forgot to mention it last week. He's counting. <laughs> And then he's like, wait a minute. And then the guy's behind him, and he's like, ah, oh. He's like, something wrong? He goes, I thought my math was off. I'm good now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, right, because he was one off. Yeah. Um. All right. Thinking, thinking, thinking of what else we could talk about. Because, I mean, we've really, we've covered a lot. Oh, yeah. Right? We, we've, of uh, this film, which would seem difficult because it's so long and so dense. And I'm sure we're missing something. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the only thing that really bugged me was the weird plot hole where they introduced Tuco's brother as a uh, missionary. And then that's it. Okay. You know, because, you know, because Blondie overhears their conversation mm-hmm. and then that's it. We don't. Okay. We don't get a really a payoff. I, I guess the only thing we get is that Tuco... Why did Tuco lie to Blondie about how his brother treats him? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, my brother was trying to get me to stay. And, like, like I guess that's my only question is, like, why did he feel the need to lie? Mm-hmm. But, see, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, well, because it's the West. Men, did, you know, men didn't want to seem vulnerable Yeah, in the West. You had to be tough as nails. I also thought that when, when Tuco was about to... Um, was about to reunite with his bandit gang friends. Yeah. I kind of thought it was going to be Ramon and Elindio, if I'm being honest with you. You're like, oh, oh. I was always like, holy shit, what if, right? Yeah. That'd, that'd be a cool way, but then, but it's the same actor. So. It wouldn't, oh, exactly. And it wouldn't have made any sense. Yeah. I- either way, right? If it would have been those people again. And you're right, they would have been the same actor. I didn't even think about that. They would have had to shoot someone. Which they could. Off it, over here. Yeah, it's not impossible. They they did it in the parent trap, and that was also in the 60s. So that's yeah. not impossible. But, uh, yeah, it's that would have been silly. But um, And also, it probably would have been too coincidental, which we've talked about. We don't like yeah. that. But um, I thought for a split second. I was like, oh, is that going to be those people again? Oh, my <laughs> that, God. That would be crazy. Like, and they're related? Ew, gross. You know? Yeah. Well... Jeremy, are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, this was fun. This I, was fun. I enjoyed uh, going through all three of these. Uh, I'm a big fan of this trilogy, despite what I may have said today. If uh, anyone heard that honk, we apologize. I yeah, think I tried to talk over it. Um, went off. But I I think Sergio Leone is amazing. I, oh, yeah. I think Clint Eastwood is amazing. And, uh, you know, 
stay tuned. Maybe we'll do Once Upon a Time in the West later on because yeah, uh, that one's a great one. And you know, and uh, if you guys enjoyed this two-part episode, uh, if you want us to go through another trilogy, um, let us know in the comments. You know? Yeah. And again, I'm... You don't have to be really specific with this because I, myself, um, also really like the ideas of sort of themed trilogies. So they're not connected by narrative or by character, but by theme and Mm -hmm. maybe by the same director and actor choices, right? Casting choices. Um, That could be considered like a spiritual trilogy also, right? Um, Or a spiritual sequel. Something like that. Uh, I'm trying I'm, to think of some. Right I'm a now. big fan of those. I would tell you my example, but I'm saving it for oh, okay. later on down the line. Okay. Um, but yeah. So rain. So Jeremy, it's your turn. Yes. What's next week? Long awaited. Uh, so hang on, I have to look up the year. Oh, I already know. I don't want to fuck this up. <sighs> what well, the? So I'll give you a hint. It's 20 years old. Yes, I just got it. So we are discussing the 2000 uh, movie, uh, American Psycho. Mary Heron. This is very exciting stuff. I'm a, I love this movie. Um, I, this movie still racks my brain every time I watch it. And I've seen it at least three or four times. And I still am like, but what it, it's really it's a great study in narrative ambiguity yes right and you can you can sort of spin it either way um i myself personally lean towards one way that i believe the narrative to have gone and i definitely i mean i'm sure you'll definitely say what it is when yeah, we yeah of course when and we do the episode what i love is that uh Brady Stan ellis connects it with other works that he's done. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. But, you know, he's Patrick as a brother. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. uh, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of this. And I love Brady Snellis. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy the movie. Because um, it's really fucked up. It is. But in, in a way that... <laughs> this is going to sound fucked up. But in a way, it's kind of cool how fucked up it is. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I, I agree. Um, and of course, Christian Bale kills it. You know, yes. this is obviously, if anyone has been tracking his timeline, this is obviously pre Batman. Yes. And he crushes it. Yes, it is pre Batman. <laughs> this is after Empire of the Sun, and it is before Batman. And, and, and <laughs> this is also before he did that stupid ass movie with. Matthew McConaughey, Reign of Fire, right? I don't know. I didn't see that. The one with dragons. Dragons? I didn't see that. That sounds it ridiculous. fucking stupid. And I think he did Equilibrium after this. I, I'm not sure if that's true. But I don't know. I just know that... I don't know the timeline. But it's hard to... When you watch Newsies, it's hard to take him seriously. <laughs> Newsies. Yeah, straight up Newsies. Uh, <laughs> did he do Newsies after Empire of the Sun? He had to have. But I, I mean, he, he, I think he was like 15, 16. Yeah, it was after Empire of the Sun. Newsies. He was young. He was like single digits and like nine or something in Empire of the Sun. Uh, um, but yeah, I'm really excited for this. Yes. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm so a fan of the story. Get ready for... American Psycho next week, everyone. Hope you and guys also like get ready. Lewis in the news. 
<laughs> and I also get ready for uh, my picks to start getting a little darker. Which I'm I'm all for. Because Jeremy knows uh, one of the ones that we're going to do. It'll probably be after his next pick. I can't wait. So, well, we hope everyone enjoyed part two of our Man With No Name trilogy. And we will see you next week for American Psycho.